Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What is up, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you all so much for being here for another episode here at Rangers Review. I know it's been a little while since we did our last episode, uh, just over a week, I believe. I think last time we recorded was July 23rd, breaking the Buchnevich deal. Uh, we said that we would be back later that day, hopefully with an assumption of a trade. Obviously, that did not transpire. Um, a lot of things did not go the way that I think us Ranger fans originally expected at this point, but... That's the beauty of the offseason. A lot of times things just don't go your way or they don't go the way that you initially anticipate things. But no less, I appreciate everyone for chiming the live stream here or if you're listening live, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate everyone being here. But Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend? We have a lot to unveil here between recapping the draft for the Rangers, how we think they fared, what can we expect from them going forward with these young prospects. Then we will, of course, be breaking down for agency what the Rangers have done in that category. Uh, Ryan Reeves landing with the New York Rangers. We'll be breaking down that trade for you guys some more. And also taking a look at the lace with the Jack Eichel sweepstakes, the extensions to not just Philip Hedl, but assumably, hopefully sooner than later, What's being reported today at the time of recording this, Igor Shostorkin. And again, with the Eichel rumors, if I didn't mention that already. So how are you doing today, Stephen? Good, good. Um, had a day off today. It's a bank holiday in Ireland. Um, so that was nice. Have a short work week this week. And uh, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of... It's been like a crazy week, week and a half for Ranger fans. A lot has happened. And uh, it, yeah, it all started with the draft. So let's let's get right into it. Yeah, let, let's just get right into it indeed. And again, everyone that's first chiming in the stream, thank you so much for being here, guys. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, don't worry. We'll be saving the last 15 to 20 minutes of today's show like we've been doing in the previous weeks actually for Q&A segments. So definitely keep those in mind. And thank you so much to everyone for chiming in. But getting right into the draft, uh, you know, there were some center options available when the Rangers kept their 16th overall pick. And no, they did not land Jack Eichel. That was something that many of us believed would come to fruition potentially at the draft. And Jack Eichel and his agent and his overall team believed the same. And that's something that we will be breaking down further. But no less, the Rangers kept their 16th overall pick, and they chose Brennan Offman, left winger. And then if you get on to the third round, which was the next pick the Rangers had, 65th from the Buffalo Sabres, they drafted Jaden Grube, or Grube, however you pronounce the young man's name. I'm going to have you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, same thing in the third round, 10 picks later from a draft pick originally by Washington. One of my favorite draft picks of the night was Ryder Korchak. Um, then we get on the fourth round, a pick from originally from L.A. We have Brody Lamb, right winger. Then we go to the left wing, a pick from the Ottawa Senators with 106. And Callie uh, Vicenin. And then we get to the fourth round again, third pick there. We get Boyko which is a big, sizable goaltender. The Rangers have been loving to draft these big goaltenders in later rounds as of late. And then the fifth round, they drafted Yaroslav. Um, I'm going to have you pronounce the man's last name. Right winger with the 144th overall pick. And then the last pick of the draft for the Rangers was going to be um, Hank Kempf, uh, defenseman with pick 208. So going down one by one, let's start with the man of the hour and Offman. Something I wasn't expecting. I didn't think it was a bad pick at all. I just think that you know, talking about the draft picks that were available, some that I know that you coveted as well. 
what was your initial reaction to the Rangers taking a left winger here? And uh, what can you maybe expect from Brennan in his uh, future career with the Rangers? Yeah, um, look, I, I know a lot of Ranger fans feel this way that, you know, they really wanted to go with a center there. And I was also hoping they'd go that way. But going with a winger 16th overall is not is not a death sentence for this rebuild. It's still a rebuild. You only started three years ago. <clears throat> Uh, yes, we need center prospects, but at the same time, this team also lacks winger prospects with top six upside. Yes, we have Lafreniere, Kraftsov, and Kako already on the team. But behind those three, we have a lot of winger prospects, but they're mostly third, fourth line upside. Brad Berard, as exciting as he may be, I don't see him being more than a third line winger in the NHL, which is nothing to, to, to be upset about or, or disappointed at, but uh will cooley is is a similar guy you know if he makes the team i i expect him to be a third line winger or maybe fourth line they have guys like morgan baron who played center and now he's now on the wing um um you know adam edstrom who's playing over in sweden levy altonen who has really regressed the last two years is really sad to see to be honest because i was i had high hopes for him at first he he was deemed as a a, a low risk high reward type pick yeah. when the rangers really yeah. acquired him you know exactly altonon was a fifth round pick his skating was his best asset and we always hear about we should go for skating this and that but this is the risk you run when you go for a guy who is great at skating but not much else um but still for a fifth round pick i'm not going to be upset you have laurie power who was a fifth round pick I see his upside be a third a third line winger as well. So the Rangers, yes, they needed center prospects. And I was hoping for Svechkov. I was hoping maybe for a guy like Pinelli if Svechkov wasn't there or Lucius, who was all these players were available when the Rangers. And I were wanted Ratty. So there you go. Another Ratty, I'll go into in a minute because what happened to him on draft day was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Rangers go with Brennan Othman. It's not it's not a crazy pick. We like I said, we needed a guy like him in our prospect pool. And if you look at his trajectory, if you look at his projection, I think he's going to be NHL ready in two and a half to three years, which would be the 2023-24 season or the start of the 2024-25 season. And the reason why I like this is because in 2024, Kreider's no move clause expires. So the Rangers will have some flexibility to move Kreider if they want to. And if this kid, Brennan Othman, is ready at, the, at that moment to step in, we can just have him replace Kreider. They have, aside from the skating, a very similar skill set. You know, they, they, I think Brennan Othman is a better scorer. Kreider is a better skater. But they have a lot of other things in common. I think Brennan Othman had a very interesting draft year. Uh, he played uh, with they played for the, for the Flint Firebirds in the OHL, but as we all know, the OHL season was canceled. So mm-hmm. he, um, his grandma's from Switzerland. He has a Swiss passport, so he was able to go to Switzerland for a year and play there. Um, you need, if you want to play in Switzerland and you're under 18, you need uh, a Swiss passport, a Swiss nationality to be able to be allowed to play. Uh, and he was able to do that. So he went to uh, EHC Oldham in the Swiss league, which is the second tier of professional hockey in Switzerland. And he had a, he had a really, he had a good year. I think, uh, overall was decent. He had a really he had good 15 start. points. Uh, I pardon me. He had 15 points in 34 games, seven goals, a assists, a plus minus minus yeah. two. Um, and he really emphasized, however, when he was drafted, you know, kind of what the Rangers preached all draft on with really working his body, having a strong mm-hmm. 200 foot game, nothing overly flashy, but as you said too, and I think what's appealing 
about this is while, yes, it is in the center depth, even if the Rangers acquired a center in the draft, it's not like they're going to be with the team anytime soon. Yeah. At the yeah. earliest, maybe two years from now. But this is not yeah. – at this point in the draft, it's not like you're getting a top three, a top five pick. And at mm-hmm. least you're getting a guy in Brennan that while he's years away – that's fine because the Rangers just trade away a key forward as it was because they felt that they didn't have room for him anymore and Pavel Buchnevich, who's kind of a good player, as we know. So it makes perfect sense. These guys are not going to be in the lineup anytime soon. It's now to build towards the future, also getting guys that can help work around the mm-hmm. core group that they already have that isn't as known for that grittier play style or their 200-foot game, what all counts. I'm not yeah. saying that. Lafreniere isn't a liability defensively, but nor is that his strong suit either. Kako has a great 200-foot game. But as the Rangers continue to develop their young core how they have it now, they're going to want to have guys around them that can really balance things out so you don't have too much of the same player. Something that we've seen with a team like Toronto, for instance. So I'm, I'm not against how they've portrayed the draft completely. I'm just against them prioritizing a certain type of narrative, if you will, over mm-hmm. specifically skill set, which is what we saw yeah. with some of their other picks. Yeah, and and at first when, when the pick was announced, I was like, I, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about this pick. And and your first reaction is to go, oh, oh no, no, they 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 picked a guy that I didn't want, and you get all upset. But I took a couple of minutes and and you know, took a breather, poured myself a drink, and decided to just sit down and 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 look at the pick in detail and. You mentioned 15 points in, was it 34 games? Yep. Uh, yeah. So if you look at his proje- his pr- production in the Swiss uh, second tier, and remember, this is professional hockey. This kid was 17 when he started that season. He was off to a great start. He had 15 points in his first 17 games that season um, in, in a professional league. Um, and at the time, those, those 17 games, his team was 11-4-2. So he was producing when his team was playing well, which is what you want to see. You don't want him to be a passenger on his line. You don't want him to be the only guy who doesn't get any points. But then the following couple of weeks, you you look at the team and you look at their record. They went 4-9-0, and including an eight-game losing streak where they scored significantly less. And Offman went, uh, that went 13 games without a point. And you could you could look at that and think, oh, that's that's concerning. But we're, again, we're talking about a 17-year-old in a professional hockey league. Yeah, I know it's not the KHL or SHL, but still, it's professional hockey. He's going up against guys 26, 27 years old, and we've seen how how much Lafreniere struggled physically. You know, he was a beast in the QMJHL, and then he comes up to the NHL, and all of a sudden, he's not playing against 18, 19-year-olds. He's playing against 26, 27-year-olds. Players that are that are you know that have grown into their body that are actually mature players and it's a lot harder. And Offman was battling with the same thing, albeit at a little low, lower level. But if you look at his drop in production, it's not as concerning as some people make it out to be. His product production drops when his team had an eight-game losing streak. I don't I don't think that's something you can blame Offman for. Like, like I said earlier in in a different recording. Uh, I don't expect a 17-year-old to carry his professional hockey team. If he was in the OHL, it's a different story. But he he had a great start to the season. Then his his production dropped off a bit. His play dropped off a bit. But he ended quite strong with three points in his final eight games. And I think overall his season was was really good for a 17-year-old who also 
went through all the hassle of moving to another country, adjusting to a different lifestyle, different language, different culture and everything. And he still was off to a flying start, 15 points in 17 games. That to me is definitely uh, a positive here. Uh, and as a Canadian kid, if he adjusts that well to life in Switzerland, I have no problem. I have no concerns about him adjusting to life in North America when he goes to Hartford in two years. Because I, I expect him to play in uh, in Flint for the next two years in the OHL and then sign his um, his entry level contract and start in Hartford in 2022, 2023 maybe, and then work his way up. But if you look at his his season. I think it was better than some people give him credit for because all the metrics I've seen online are based on his season totals. But you have to go a little bit deeper into how his season progressed because what he went through is not something players usually go through. Yeah, a four or five game losing streak is, is already rare enough. His team went through an eight game losing streak with a four and nine record. I don't blame the kid for not producing when his, his entire team collapsed like a, like a house of cards. Yeah, you know, I, I, you're exactly right. And I want to add here about the draft too. And I want to hear your thoughts about this before we get on to the further players down the road is going into the draft. Did you have a certain expectation for the Rangers? Because again, you and I were both under this similar belief that it felt pretty unlikely that they wouldn't have the first round pick. So not just see them go with Othman, but go with the approach that they did too. Again, feeling that like outside of Ryder, in my opinion, that they made some picks that just did not go in hand with what they've done in years prior. Do you think that this was proof of maybe the lack of experience on the forefront for Drury's part, being GM and the scouting things being a little bit different on the Rangers front? Like what was your overall thought process and how the Rangers approached this year's draft? And if you felt that they had turned a blind eye to certain things that they haven't done in say years prior during this rebuild, mm -hmm. Like, what's your overall analysis on the matter before we get into the further players? Yeah, I think what you saw in previous years from like 2015 to 2019 is that you saw this organization go uh, very heavy on European prospects. And it's not because they they really trusted their they, they, they thought that, you know, the, the, the scouts were, were great or whatever. It was more uh, a case of uh, a lack of, of confidence in the North American scouting. North American scouting for the Rangers in the years prior, prior to 2015, wasn't the strongest. You know, we had picks like Ryan Grubb that didn't really work out. Um, um, Dylan McElrath in 2010, of course. Um, and there was an overhaul in the scouting department. And it when in 2020, um, John Davidson hired his son-in-law, Chris Morehouse, to be the director of North American scouting. That to me was a sign that yes, finally the range is gonna go a bit heavier on North American prospects now. And they did it in 2020, you know, Lafreniere was an obvious choice, but to go with Braden Schneider um, and then Will Cooley, their next pick. And uh, the one after that was I think Dylan Garand. So their first four selections were North American prospects. And it was just, uh, establishing that that scouting network again that that you trust for the for the junior leagues the OHL WHL QMJHL now they've finally done that and you can see that again in this year's draft uh Othman, you could technically count him as a European prospect because he played in Europe in his draft year but if we count him as a North American prospect the Rangers drafted two prospects out of Europe in uh, Weissen and uh Chimala. 
uh, both play in Finland, even though uh, Schmeller is from the Czech Republic, but they both play in Finland. Uh, and I think it, it, that doesn't surprise me because uh, the scout they have in Finland, Mikko Eloranta, is the one they trusted the most. Um, he's he's well respected within the organization. Um, but yeah, you see this 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 move now to North American prospects, and I think that goes hand in hand with what we discussed offline. How they went from more finesse players to now more gritty players, yeah. which also which also fits into the timeline and where we are in the rebuild. You don't start a rebuild by drafting your gritty players because your gritty players are easier to find later in the draft, Correct. in trade or in free agency than your finesse players. You go with a guy like, I'm not going to talk about Kako and Lafreniere, they were the consensus picks, but 2018, they go with Crofts off ninth overall, uh, Miller 22nd overall, if I remember correctly, and uh, Nils Lunk was 28th overall. Those were three high upside picks with players that don't really bring, like, they, they, they're not overly physical. I know Lundqvist doesn't shy away from contact, but he's not a Ryan Lindgren. Same with Keandre Miller. He's tall, but he's he's not Jacob Truba. Uh, those are the players you first want to establish in your rebuild. Once you have that, that core group of finesse players that usually last longer anyway than your, than your gritty players, then you go out and look for the players to to fill out the rest of your roster. The guys like Will Cooley, uh, Braden Schneider, you know those kind of guys. Matt Rempe from the Seattle Thunderbirds they got last year. Uh, Grubby from the Red Deer Rebels. Yep. Those are the guys you you get later on to fill out your prospect pool. You cannot start with those players in your prospect pool because a they have a shorter shelf life as players compared to the finesse players, if you will, and b. If you start with that, you you put yourself up against a wall because now you really have to find those finesse players to to really make the rebuild work. So I understand why they went with the finesse players first. It's the right thing to do, um, and yeah. I like I like where this organization is going now. Um, you could argue that maybe the Barkley Goudreau contract was a little bit too long, or his AAV was a little bit too high. Um, but overall, the move to go after a guy like Barclay Goudreau, I like. Going after a guy like Sammy Blay, I like. I don't like how we acquired him because I don't think we w- should have given up a guy like Pavel Buchnevich to get Sammy Blay. And I know there was a second-round pick involved anyway, but second-round picks are, eh, it's, it's, it's not the NFL draft. Second-round picks aren't as valuable. Um, but I like the direction they're going now. Um, and the only thing I wanted out of this draft uh, is for the Rangers to trade back into the second round. They had two picks in the third. They had three picks in the fourth round, if I remember correctly. I really wanted them to try and trade into that second round or maybe use the second round pick from next year to trade into the second round this year uh, because there were a lot of good players that dropped out of the first round, like Pinelli, Atu, who went 52nd overall to the Islanders. That's great the pick damn Islanders, I know. Great pick, great pick for them. At 52, that's a no-brainer. But there were some really good players that dropped out of the first round that everyone expected to go in the first round on Friday night. So I was a little disappointed we couldn't get back into the second round. I'm pretty sure Chris Drury tried. But with so much talent still on the board, I could also understand teams being hesitant to trade out of the second round. So, Yeah. And that's and that's a fair point as well. And um, before I ask you about your thoughts on 
uh, Grube or Grube, however you pronounce the young man's name. I just want to say again, thank you so much, everyone currently chiming in the stream. See all things Rangers in here. Hello, my friend. Happy to have you back in here as always. Anthony Antone with a $5 donation. Thank you so much for that, Anthony. We appreciate it. But I want to get into uh, Jaden here because, again, the Rangers did draft a center with their second pick in the draft, but not necessarily the ideal one originally. Uh, Jane, who had been hurt for the majority of the 2020-2021 season, uh, again, another guy that brings more of that physicality grit to his game, not mm-hmm. so much silky mitts and finesse, if you will. So is there any further thoughts that you'd like to give about the young man uh, who's currently uh, center, shoots right, and is at the uh, – Right around six foot two, two hundred pounds. I'm not sure if I mentioned that for Offman. He's six foot one seventy five, left hand shot for the left winger. Yeah, um, he plays for the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, Red Deer uh, Rebels in the WHL. Um, he's their captain, I think. Um, but he had, if I remember correctly, an ACL. He had surgery. Um, so I have to see how he comes back from that. But it's it's a pick that doesn't have a lot of upside, but. There have been some positive reports um, about him. Uh, I think out of all the day two picks, he's probably one of the one of the less exciting selections we've made. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad pick. Um, would I have picked someone else? Probably yes, but you know I'm not a scout. I'm not a GM, so it doesn't really matter. Um, they they went after a guy that they've they've scouted heavily remember we had dylan garand matthew robertson and Braden schneider in the whl this past season so when you follow your own prospects you tend to see a little bit more of certain players than if you scout a league where you don't have uh where you don't have your own your own young kids playing you know the rangers don't have any prospects in the qmjhl so you could say you could argue that uh, their scouting in the QMJHL is not as intense as it is in the WHL. Um, so the fact that they went with three players from the WHL, uh, with Korzak, uh, Boyk, uh, Boyko, and Grubby, I- I'm not surprised by that. Um, all three picks are okay. I think Korzak is, is an exciting pick. Um, he, he's he's a standout for me versus like... Yeah. Every, outside of Offman, this was the only other one where, from an offensive standpoint, I I like the upside quite a bit. Um, if you look okay. at him, uh, another center, of course, right-hand shot mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Um, has decent size, nothing crazy, 5'11", 174. Uh, just a point shy this year of being point per game but in his fourth year with Moose Jaw, even though he wasn't really technically there. His first year, he only had a cup of coffee, three games. But he had 16 points and 17 this year, three goals, 13 assists. The year prior, however, he had 67 points in 62 games. So he's been looming right around a, a point-per-game mm-hmm. player uh, these past two seasons in junior. So yeah. um, anything further you'd like to share on him? Because when that pick happened, I, I was actually uh, a little pleasantly surprised given what we had seen in the first two. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that they pick a kid from Moose Jaw Warriors after they trade away Brett Howden who also went to Moose Jaw. So yeah, one out, like, one in. It feels like he's a de facto Howden replacement in that regard, but <laughs> Now, um, I like the pick, you know, upside's there. Um, and they may not have gotten a center in the first round, but they went, they got some centers later on. And, and, and yeah, you know, stock, stock the shelves, you know, stock the cabinet. Uh, if you have five, six center prospects, the chances of you hitting on one of them to be a good NHL player are a lot higher than if you only have one or two. Yeah. Um, so 
nothing wrong with that pick. There were maybe some players still there that I would have gotten in instead, but I don't want to go into that because, like I said, I'm not a scout. I just have certain favorites because I've seen them more. But the pick that I really liked was, um, was that the fourth round, Brody Lamb? Yes, Brody Lamb. Tell me more about the right winner. Brody Lamb, uh, he played in high school this past season. Uh, he put up insane numbers. I, I looked it up. His numbers in high school, I think, are top 10 in the last 30 years over the last oh, two seasons. Wow. Um, so the offensive upside's there. Uh, of course, when you get to the fourth round, you shouldn't expect too much of these players. Sometimes you hit on them, but most of the time they don't make the NHL. But if you go for a guy with upside in the fourth round, then Brody Lamb was, was definitely the guy to go for. I really like that pick. Uh, he's going to play for the Green Bay... Uh, what's the team in the USHL? Green Bay uh, Gamblers. The Green Bay Gamblers. He's going to play for the Green Bay Gamblers. Yeah, which he, had two and, he had two points in 10 with them this past year. Game yeah. Introduced there. If I remember correctly, that's Adam Huska's former team, the Green Bay Gamblers. Okay. Um, and he committed to the University of Minnesota for the 2022-23 season. Always a good uh, season when, you're, when your guy's going to Minnesota. That's the team that uh, Ryan Lindgren played for, Brady yep. Shea, I think. Um and the fact that he commits to college a year after the draft means you get his exclusive NHL rights for potentially five years. It gives the Rangers a little bit more time to uh, to make their decision. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, he's an appealing pick as well. Um, I have to do more homework on his high school numbers. I didn't realize just how good they are. So I'm excited to do that uh, following today's episode. But yeah, was, uh, outside of that, the Rangers didn't do too much else in the draft. Um, are there any specific players you'd like to touch on? I know we have uh, uh, Vicenin, the left winger in the fourth round mm -hmm. as well. Then you got Boyko, the massive goaltender, another year with the Rangers draft a goaltender, like just under seven foot. Um, Yuroslav um, Chemlar. I'm going to pr pronounce his name wrong, I'm sure. It's C-H-M-E-L-A-R. And then a Hank Kemp, the defenseman, to yeah. finish off the draft. Um, any final notes you'd like to give on these draft picks before we pivot into the Rangers and how they approach for agency at this point. Yeah, um, so Vicelin of TPS, uh, which is a team that Ranger fans should be familiar with by now. Um, 2016, you get Charmo Ryunen in. 27, uh, sorry, 2017, uh, you get Laurie Payuniemi. Uh, oh, no, sorry, 2017 was Patrick Virta. 2018, Laurie Payuniemi. 2019, Capo Caco. No TPS player drafted by the Rangers last year, which was weird, but now they go back to getting a guy from TPS. Um, he's a big winger, uh, plays with a, with a little bit of an edge, so the type of player the Rangers are targeting right now. Ooh, Bisonen? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, he's, he's finished, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I don't think he's going to start in Liga this season, but I think he can make his way onto the team, you know, force his way onto the team throughout the season. Um, Laurie Pauliniemi is leaving, of course, so players automatically move up a spot, and maybe there's a spot for him to uh, to win on the third or fourth line. Um, I like the pick. Um, I think his his NHL probability is a little higher than Pauliniemi's was when we drafted him. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Tevin Boyko, six six eight, uh, six foot eight goalie. Uh, out of the uh, WHL, Tri-City Americans, if I remember correctly. Uh, second year in a year in a row, the Rangers go with a goalie that's six foot eight. 
Last year, they got uh, Hugo Olas from Sweden, who yep. uh, is now going to play in college. Oh, my God. For who, who is the kind of, is it Vermont, I think, or Vermont or Maine or I don't know. I have to look it up. But he's he's committed to college, to the NCAA. So he's going to be in the system for another four years. Uh, Boyko, of course, with being a junior player, his rights only two years. Uh, Schmeller. Yeah, I don't know too much about him. Um, and then Kempf, I actually found this out on his elite prospect page. Let me let me let me check this for you because his name isn't Hank. Uh, well, <laughs> Stephen's doing his investigative research. Before you even oh. get there, Stephen, hold on. Do he you know himself. how big uh, Lindblom is? I think he's also six eight. Is it no? Is he? Oh no! Lind sorry, sorry. No, I was I was thinking of Ola. Sorry uh Lindbaum. i don't know i don't know he's he's not he's not the same size as those two for sure no i'm just, i'm just connecting the recent ranger goaltending draft picks That's okay no uh so according to his elite prospect page hank kemp actual name is donald kemp but he's a hank guy but yeah i don't know what's going on there i would have to look into it a little bit more but he goes Something. to cornell uh the team that morgan baron played for of course yeah. Um, so if there are any Ranger fans who went to Cornell, who have ties to Cornell, they have another prospect to follow. Yep. No, that's always a positive. We know how well Morgan did during his time there. We'll yep. see if uh, Kempf can uh, replicate anything from the defensive side of things. But, okay, so we did everything about the draft. Not Nothing crazy. This was such a melodramatic draft, if you ask me. This was, this was one that, um, you know, I have a feeling that I'm going to – uh, not hold nearly as much stock in versus not just years prior for the Rangers, given their rebuild, but also the years going forward. And I really think it does go in hand with the whole pandemic year. Um, just, you know, not being able to scout the players properly the way that people usually do. Um, not allowing players in certain leagues to play a little one at all, depending on where they were playing. Um, so again, it, it wasn't as exciting as I would have hoped it'd be, but no less, I'm looking forward to uh, what is next now uh, for the Rangers, not just with these prospects, but also now taking a slight pivot into free agency because the Rangers didn't do anything crazy in free agency at this point. As we know, they did not uh, land uh, big names, whether it be uh, the Philip Deneau's of the world, even though, yes, they were connected with Philip Deneau. They did make a run for him, but once L.A. Uh, gave the offer that they gave, the Rangers felt that they simply couldn't match that, nor did I think that they had the interest to go anything that big unless they were, in fact, getting themselves a Jack Eichel via trade, which in my mind does still go in hand with them, not Lenny know to a certain extent. So now getting into this free agent signings, the talk of the town was honestly, you know, and uh, I know another melodramatic part was Patrick Nemeth, veteran defenseman. It looks like he will be on the bottom pair for the Rangers for uh, upwards of the next three years. They signed him to a three-year deal at an AAV over $2 million. He is viewed as a solid uh, depth defenseman on the left side. He'll be taking over for the likes of Brendan Smith uh, with guys on the Rangers in their farm. So not, you know, ready to take that next jump with them not sold on the Tarmoronins of the world, the Zach Jones just yet, and all these other pieces. You're going to bring in Nemeth, and he looks like he will be paired with Niels Lundqvist. So what was your initial reaction to Nemeth and the signing, and are you in favor of it? Are you against it? I'm pretty neutral about the matter. Don't think he'll be with the Rangers those whole three years. It gets a year too much, but no less um, from the analytics side things uh, brings more stability 
uh, a veteran that can kind of help show the ropes to a young man like Niels next season. Yeah. Um, so they get a Swedish guy to play with Niels on the third pairing, which is which is nice, you know, uh, getting to play with a guy who speaks the same language, who has gone through the same adjustment going from Sweden to North America. Um, but also Nemeth played with Zibanejad in the World Juniors in 2011, uh, 2011 or 2012, and they won it. Um, so they have a history together. Uh, and yeah, it's I think it's just, it's also a way to to push your prospects. You have Ryunanen, Jones, and Robertson fighting for that, that third pairing spot. And now, last year, they had to compete with Libor Hayek. Now they have to compete with Patrick Nemeth, who is a veteran defenseman in the NHL, brings a lot of a lot of knowledge, a lot of uh, you know expertise to uh, to the position. Now they have to beat up Patrick Nemeth for that spot. I think for them it's it's a good challenge. Um, and if one of them beats up Patrick Nemeth, then fair play, then they've earned their spot. But if not, then Patrick Nemeth is a really good insurance piece to have. In the past, we've had guys like uh, Freddie uh, Clayson. I, I didn't um, mind Freddie Clayson. Freddie Clayson on the cheap, Clayson, not a bad yeah. defenseman. Clayson was fine. And honestly, that's a name that I thought of a few times that they might go after for the same role. Um, but, you know, Patrick Nemeth, I think it's a good signing. Three years. I don't, like you said, I don't think he'll play the full three years for the Rangers. I expect one of those young kids to um, to overthrow him, so to speak, in, in a year or two. But you know, it's it's a really good contract to uh, to still trade. You know, there's it's not an overpayment. It's a contract that has value even in his final year. So you can you can get a good return in the final year if you have to. Um, it it takes the pressure off of your your young prospects while also giving them a good challenge to actually make the team instead of like I said instead of having to compete with Leroy Hayek and Anthony Bettetto. This is a much better uh, option for the Rangers. Moving on from Brendan Smith is something that I didn't expect them to do, especially with the focus on, on being a little bit more physical. Brendan Smith, it was actually one of the more physical guys on this team. So uh, I'm surprised course, that you weren't that you were surprised, I should say, that the Rangers let him walk rather. I felt no. that, you know, while he had a role on this club, especially in the locker room, mm-hmm. you know, I it was a contract and Maybe this is more so of a bias on my point that I was never in favor of his contract extension after the Rangers originally acquired him years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, what what exactly made you feel that um, it was a surprise? Was it the toughness factor? Yeah. I, I, I honestly thought they would they would sign him to like a one-year deal for something under $1 million. Okay. Uh, ultimately, the Carolina Hurricanes signed him for, I think, 700000 or something. Yeah, they got him on the cheap, just like they yeah. did. Every other I mean, if you get Brandon Smith for that on. money, if you get Brandon Smith for that money, it's a good deal. Yeah. I'm not talking about Brandon Smith for four million a year because those days are behind him now. He got his big payday. If you could assign Brandon Smith for under one million, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. And and I thought with with what he showed the last season, he would have been at least in the conversation as a seventh defenseman. They probably still would have signed Nemeth. But if you ask me, I much rather have Brendan Smith than Jared Tenorti. Yeah, no, we can. We we know damn well. Let you know. Let's pivot. Let's pivot to Tenorti, shall we? We know why this man was acquired, and we know that he's going to play at most ten games this season. Okay, you know. How many games are you going to play against the Capitals? What's that? 
How many games do we play against Washington Capitals? I don't know, but wh- however amount it's going to be, you can you can bet your ass he's going to be in that lineup. And he won't be the only one in that lineup, but we're not going to get there just yet. But we know the Rangers have added grit to this lineup. They've added guys, you know, whether it's the Dryden Hunts of the world, another forward. That brings you more gritty depth. You bring a guy in Tenorti, that's going to bring you grit defensively. Um, these are guys that are not going to be in your lineup every day. Um, Barkley Goudreau has that, has that grittiness, has the ability to fight and do it damn well, but that's not necessarily this something the Rangers will be banking on him from consistently either. He's a ve- His role, we know when it comes to Goudreau, you're getting a really, really sound all-leveled winner that can both play on the wing and play at center, be fine on face-offs, and be clutch for you on the penalty kill as well. He re- he's really the uh, the Swiss Army knife since a yes for fast, if you will, but has that toughness factor to him, which separates him from fast one way or the other. Um, yeah. But yeah, you look at Dryden and Hunt, sign him, you have him on a two-year deal. Chinorti, you got him on a two-year deal. Um, guys that I wish wouldn't be on these two-year deals per se, but I know that you're not you know, going all out when it comes to actually how much you coughed up. The Rangers still have over $13 million in cap space right now, and we do know that they have started resigning players, including Philip Heedle, to a uh, bridge deal at just over $2 million for two years. I believe Heedle is getting... Yeah. Um, let me let, let me quickly correct you there. You say thirty million in cap space is actually nine point nine million. Oh my my, you're you're correct. Yes, because, I'm on cap friendly right now. Because if you look at cap friendly, they haven't accounted for the uh, performance bonus cushion yet. Yes, yes. And yes. the Rangers are over are three point seven million over the max allowed performance bonus that you can go over the cap. So they have three point seven million in in, in salary cap. That's not assigned to a player, but they that they cannot use. Just like what like, happened last year. Same exact thing. Same as last year. It's a little yeah. lower this year because just Jorkin came up with entry-level contract, and in return, we're getting Morgan Barron and Niels Lundqvist. But just Jorkin's entry-level contract was 2.6, 2.85 million in, in potential performance bonuses. Um, the biggest ones we have now is Lafreniere, 2.85 million. Kako, 2.65 million. I think Crafts was 1.7 million, and then everyone else is 800,000 or less. Fox uh, and Lundqvist and the Baron, I think, are at 800,000 or 850,000. Um, so the performance bonus cushion has gone down a little bit, but it's still money we cannot spend until those performance bonuses are, are no longer attainable. So at the start of the season, aside from the the, the buyout penalties we have, there's a 3.7 million cap penalty, so to speak, for potential performance bonuses that we cannot use. So if you look at cap friendly, I think at the moment it's at 13.6. So you subtract 3.7, you get to 9.9. The Shashjorkin contract is still not taken into into account because it hasn't been finalized yet. If that's around 6 million, the Rangers have roughly 3.9 million in cap space to uh, start the season. Some players will go down to the AHL, so you would add maybe 1.5 million on top of that 5 million uh, cap space on opening night. Yeah, and I want to add now about the Rangers and the lack of cap space, if you will, because at the time of being live here in this episode, the Rangers gained awfully close to an extension done with Covenant goaltender Igor Shostorkin. The reports are currently, I'm not sure exactly on the years just yet, uh, my assumption would be at least five to six years, uh, right around a six mil AAV. So what is your initial impression on that? Uh, again, we ha- we're awaiting the exact 
term. We probably won't report on the exact term until our next episode within the next week. But uh, if this is more as we were talking off air about this a Jordan Bennington type deal, if you will, along those lines, I think that's an absolute win for the Rangers because, as you yeah. mentioned, if it's a five, six year deal, you're looking at being 31, 32 years old tops. Uh, could be longer than that. But again, even if it is longer than that, I think that would only benefit the Rangers more at a six mil AAV. So, what's your quick stance on the matter? It's important that the Rangers get this done, of course, because afterwards they can continue to pivot on Adam Fox. He is a guy that they definitely should be showing interest in. And same thing can be said with uh, the whole Jack Eichel sweepstakes that we will be getting into shortly. Yeah, if you look at Sestjorkin, he's your starting goalie. You want to lock him up long term because he's arbitration eligible and he's only two years away from U of A status, which means there is like a doomsday scenario where Sestjorkin doesn't want to sign. He files for arbitration this year, which he didn't, by the way. He didn't file for arbitration, but there was a scenario where he could have filed for arbitration this year. Let it go to the arbitrator. Arbitrator gives him a one-year deal. The Rangers will take it because they're not going to walk away from the starting goalie. He could do the same next year. And then in 2023, he could walk as, a, as an unrestricted free agent. That's the scenario. That's, that's a possible scenario, of course. So the Rangers want to lock him up long term. Uh, I think it's going to be a six-year deal. Thatcher Demko, Jordan Binnington, those type of deals. I think John Gibson had a similar deal coming off his entry-level contract. Um, but yeah, six years would mean two RFA years, four UFA years, six million a year. Sounds a bit steep for a guy who's only played 50 NHL games, but you have to understand that they're not paying him for what he's done in the past. They're paying him for what he's projected to be over the next five, six years. Um, if you look at Chesterkin, and I know uh, what, what players do in other leagues doesn't really mean everything, but it still means something. He was in the KHL, uh, he was in the AHL, and every level where he played, he met expectations. So... The Rangers project him to be a starting goalie for the next five, six years. And six million a year for a starting goalie is not that much. Especially uh, when, for what Igor's caliber is. I know that he hasn't necessarily been um, lights out in the way that we mm -hmm. hope, um, yeah. especially given his uh, slight injuries. But he hasn't proven anything to me that uh, the potential isn't there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he has yeah, done everything yeah. and then some, in my personal yeah. opinion. I know that. And the injuries very, he's but... had uh, aren't career threatening. You know, we're not talking about about two concussions in a year and a half. We're talking about injuries that that aren't really going to. They're not likely to repeat. Um, so it's not. It doesn't look like those injuries will ha will hamper him in the future. The Rangers are banking on him being a starting goalie. Going six years for six million a year is a safe bet. Um, what else are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to go with Georgiev and when Shesterkin leaves? What what's what what's the plan here? If you're not going to commit to Shesterkin, what's the plan? Yeah, it's a little risky, but as Ranger fans, we talk all the time about how we give bridge deals to the wrong players. We yeah. gave bridge deals to Kreider. We gave bridge deal a bridge deal to Stepan. We gave a bridge deal to Haglin. We gave a bridge deal to Butchnevich, and it bit us in the ass every single time. Every single time. Now we gave a bridge deal to Heedle, which I think was the right call, but we'll see in two years if it was. They decided to go long-term with Brady Shea, and even though it wasn't a great contract, they still got a first-round pick out of him, so it was the right call. It was country. a fantastic move when it reached that point, given his lack of yeah, success. Yeah. So, get that deal. so they still got the, the return for that, for that long-term investment. 
you don't want to you don't want to give Shashturkin a bridge deal and then have him either walk as a free agent in two years or he plays lights out and then he commands a nine million a year cap hit. You know, exactly. and all, of sudden, all of a sudden you're looking at a carry price scenario. Is that what you want? No, no, absolutely not. I, I think this is the perfect route for them. And I think when you look at the potential too versus Bainton and Demko, I, I don't think there's any denying that yeah. Igor has, you know, the highest ceiling, mm-hmm. you know, to reach here. I'm not going to deny that there's no risk. There is a risk, but that that's, 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 that's what these general managers are doing. You know, it's a, it's a cost, uh, um, cost benefit analysis. And yes, there is some risk to it, and sometimes you have to take the risk. The Rangers took a risk when they signed Artemi Panarin for eleven point six million for seven years. And so far, it's paid off. That. So far, it's paid off. Um, I remember when Zibanejad signed his five-year deal, and Ranger fans were like, "Ooh, he just had a concussion, and I don't know." And it worked out. You know, sometimes you win some, you lose some, and and. I can understand why the Rangers are going long-term for Shostjorkin because, in my opinion, it's the right play. I, I agree with you. I think it's the right play, too. And to not just wrap up the signings the Rangers have done, so again, to reiterate, guys, um, the Rangers, of course, have made short-term deals to both Patrick Nemeth, Dryden Hunt offensively, um, Tenorti defensively, uh, again, just adding depth guys to this current roster to add more grit. And for Nemeth's case, a Swedish man who can have a good connection with Niels for the next couple of years as well, bring stability on that bottom pair of defense. But now let's talk about the move that, yes, it's talking about adding grit more than anything else. And something that, uh, you know, many of us kind of have thrown out there as a possibility but no one expected, I mean, in my personal opinion, I did not expect this timing because the Rangers broke the news themselves. And that was a late night a couple days ago uh, acquiring Mr. Ryan Reeves, uh, Tom Wilson's best friend. Uh, they traded for him for a third-round pick, and they have signed him to a one-year deal at, I believe, $1.75 million, if my memory is not mistaken. So Ryan Reeves, a 34-year-old veteran, what do you get with Ryan Reeves? You get punches in the face. That's what you get. But you get an infectious personality, a very entertaining player, one that can at tops bring you 15, 20 points a season. As we know that he didn't do this year in the short year, but has done in the two years prior with Vegas, has a great connection with Gerard Gallant during his time in Vegas as well. So what was your initial reaction with the Rangers landed Ryan Reeves? Are you happy with it? I mean, look, I, I'm not a fan of strictly adding goons. Let me put it this way. I've never been. I've. I've always despised the Tanner Glasses of the world, the Cody mm-hmm. McClouds, the Michael Haley's. I do not give a flying you-know-what about them. I really don't because if they're not going to, one, improve your line, give you stability to have four even playing lines, but rather only having three and being reluctant to the fourth because of you specifically and not helping say if you have younger guys beside you to really help develop their talent, I'm not in favor of it. But there is a slight upside to Ryan Reeves here. Again, not just given his playoff experience, knowing what it takes to win to be in a winning type culture during his time in Vegas. And of course, during his time with St. Louis to an extent, but his familiarity with Gerard Gallant, his unbelievable familiarity with Tom Wilson. If there's only if there's one guy in this league that you can confidently say that can go toe to toe with Tom and not just Tom, but other players as well that could find themselves as pests for the Rangers now and going forward for at least the next year or so. It's a guy like Ryan Reeves. So what's your initial reaction to the trade? Let me hear it. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep over sending a third-round pick to Vegas for Ryan Reeves. But 
I'm not convinced this was a move that was necessary for the Rangers. Um, you already have Sammy Blay. You already have Barkley Goudreau. You signed Jared Tenorti, and those are just the new additions. You know, you, you still have some, you know, you traded away Butch Nevich, who was one of our most physical forwards. Uh, but you still have some guys on the team that, you know, could could step in in in, in you know in that regard. Um, I think Jason uh, Mason Gerson is not going to play a game as a Ranger now that Tenorti's here. Um, Rightfully so. And yeah, yeah, I'm nothing nothing against Mason Gerson, but I don't think he's an NHL caliber player. But if you look at uh, Ryan Reeves, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, if you look at Ryan Reeves, um, I don't think he's going to play a lot of games, but it just felt like it felt like a, a, an unnecessary move. If this move would have been made before the expansion draft, remember when we traded Brett Howden to Vegas for a fourth-round pick? If the pick at the time was Howden for Ryan Reeves, it's probably it's probably a, a different scenario and. And I would I would completely understand, but I just don't see the point in acquiring Ryan Reeves after you've already acquired Barkley Goudreau and Sammy Blake. Um, I think Reeves will be a fan favorite in New York. Um, the fact that they signed him to an extension already uh, means that you know they really want him here. Uh, I don't think signing him to an extension for 1.75 million is the right way to go when you have so many young players coming up for, for contract negotiations, but at the end of the day, it's not a contract that will, that will handcuff us as much as some people might think it's to me, it's, it's, it's a, it's an okay move. I'm not overly excited about it. I'm not super upset about it either. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I want to add about the thing Reeves. Is, I think what it comes down to with Ryan Reeves, he's not a player that helps you win games. He's a player that helps you protect your kids. Um, was that something the Rangers still needed after acquiring Tenorti, Blay, and Goudreau? I, I don't agree with that, but like I said, I don't think he's going to play every game this season. Uh, he and Tenorti will probably combine for like 60 games in total. Yeah, and I want to add about the whole Ryan Reese factor. And to me, I would have preferred this move a lot more if they didn't already land a turnover. You're right. I do think that Reese is one of the best options out there for still being one of his only kind left. If that makes sense while still being slightly different, Reeves has always had a little bit of a swagger to him. He's not nearly as much of a pylon, if you will, like the other stereotypical guys that I've told you about that happened with the Rangers in years past. Um, he can bring you some offensive ability, which is better than nothing. You know, can crash the net, bring you upwards of 15, 20 points a season. Um, but I will say that if there is one major positive to take out of Ryan Reeves coming to the Rangers outside of his strict role and what you're getting, it is the momentum side of things. And I don't think that should be overlooked. And uh, mm -hmm. someone just said this actually in the chat, coincidentally enough. Uh, shout out to Tape It for saying the exact same thing. Yeah, momentum swings are a big thing in hockey. We know that. And to have a guy that can kind of be your rally starter, if you will, that can also back it up. If he does, say, yep. make a big hit, does get physical, especially in a big rivalry game, those things can, of course, change the, the flows of how a game is paced and also yep. rally, kind of get your younger groups together. You know, this is a 34-year-old man. It's not like he's only been in the league a couple of years just getting his feet wet with this kind of play style. 
He knows what it takes to win. And again, I do feel, and I agree with you here, I believe the Rangers have went a little overboard on the sense of they truly feel that Tom Wilson like broke this team and how they have addressed things. I think that they have done overkill in the slightest bit, maybe not drastic. I, I can I can agree that I think they've done it in the slightest bit, however. And as yeah. long as they don't do anything going forward, I'm fine with it. I think this needs to be your stopping point, however. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see any more past Ryan Reeves. You have more than enough in what you're trying to accomplish here and add grit, aggressiveness, a different type of not just my play, uh, play style with some of these players, but a mindset that should hopefully mm-hmm. be infectious uh, throughout the remainder of the locker room. Just don't add on any more than that. If you do, then I think that there's an issue. Yeah, look, what, what we do need to understand is that Ryan Reeves is not going to prevent your kids from being run down by Tom Wilson. He's not going to prevent this from happening because he's yeah. not going to play on the line with Lafreniere, Heedle, Kravtsov, Kako. He's not going to be on the ice with them. At, at best, he's going to retaliate for you. He's going to go after Tom Wilson after he, he shoved Kako into the boards, for instance. Um, and and Tom Wilson is not the type of guy who's afraid of Ryan Reeves, you know. It, no. When when Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson have gone head to head, Tom Wilson was still hitting Ryan Reeves' teammates. Uh, and Braden Shen is is an example when Ryan Reeves was still in St. Louis. Look, the the big difference between Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson is that Tom Wilson has multiple twenty goal seasons. And Ryan Reeves, I think he hit 20 points once. They're not even on they're not on the same level at all. Uh, Tom Wilson plays top six minutes because on top of being uh, a dirty player, he's also a really good player. He scores 20 goals a season because he's a good player. I think it was a top 10 pick in the draft too. Ryan Reeves is basically Tanner Glass with a little bit more weight to it. Um, we'll see. Uh, time will tell if Ryan Reeves is a Brandon Prust or a Donald Brashear for us. Yeah. No, and again, that's fair. And like I said, I think there's positives and negatives to everything here. I'm not against how the Rangers have approached everything this offseason. I think that they could have handled a certain mayor uh, to, to a certain extent better. But I, I don't think it's been as oblivious, um, of obnoxious, pardon me, of a failure as a lot of people out there on social media believe. I think there's still a lot of upside in from many reports I've seen, the Rangers are not done at all this year either. And I think that's also a great pivot now into the discussion piece that's been going on for a while. And it's really just getting to the point where it's like, okay, like what, like what is going on here? And that is. I think we are going to talk about Jack Eichel again. Yeah. I know. Right. You know it's, I know all it's right. a drag. Why? Let's get it over with. Let's get it over with. And I'm, I want to start off by clarifying that what is about to be discussed is more so of me hoping the best for Jack and what his future is than him even landing with the Rangers at this point. Um, so uh, that that's lovely. that's what I think we should start with here. So give me one second here. Uh, I just wanted to do something quick. Um, so Jack Eichel. So as we know, there's been a lot going on with the Jack Eichel saga, and it's gone to a point where it is kind of horrendous. And it's something that we've known about for a while. This was going back months ago where the belief was, that Jack Eichel supposedly needed surgery and the Sabres were supposedly uh, reluctant on that notion and not letting him because they had the control given his contract. Well, what we've seen transpire after a presser uh, with Kevin Adams once again is how 
they view Jack Eichel and how he really is not a part of their future plans and how Jack Eichel and his team, his agent, I should say, responded by saying exactly what we've all kind of figured, that we were under the belief, we're disappointed because we are thoroughly disappointed because we were under the belief going back to the draft that Jack would have been traded by now. He needs surgery because I believe he has a herniated disc in his neck and it needs to be addressed. And if it is addressed, he can still play this season and even potentially start this season if it is happening now. This is something that they've been trying to work with the Sabres for a while now to get the deal done so he can actually properly have surgery. The Sabres are reluctant, however, and are preventing this man from having surgery. So it is an absolute shit show what has happened in Buffalo. Kevin Adams thinks he has a strong hand here when in reality, if he's ever going to trade Jack Eichel, he's not going to get nearly the haul he wants. And if I don't care what any Sabres fan that checks us out, watches this, wants to believe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry with how your organization is ran. But trust me when I say you're not going to get what you were hoping for. And that is all in hand with how the Sabres have portrayed this entire saga. It is absolute bullshit. This isn't even the point where I, I would love Jack Eichel, don't get me wrong. But this guy has serious health problems that need to be addressed, that can be addressed. And he's viewed, being viewed completely as an asset because the Sabres know that they can take advantage of this situation. So with saying that, Stephen... What is your current thought process on the matter? And what do you have to say about Larry Brooks as well, who in my mind has really come off to more or lesser of extent a hypocrite and being so heavily advocating on how Braden Schneider, he is not a prospect you should even consider parting ways with just a couple days later to say that, oh, Kapo Kako, he, you know, he's the final piece. This is what you have to part ways with. Like that, that in itself does not add up. And again, that's the difference between reporting on actual matters for the Rangers on what they are reportedly doing, showing interest in versus your opinionated report. You know, what, what do you personally believe? So Steven, let me hear everything about this latest on the Eichel saga. I, I got to know how you're feeling at this point in time. Yeah. First of all, on Larry Brooks, uh, when you read a Larry Brooks article, you have to first identify if you're reading a report or his opinion, because those are vastly different. His reports are great. He has sources. When he gets the information from someone and he reports on it, great. That's what I want to see. I really couldn't give a, a rest ass about his opinion because for the last year and a half, we, we heard about how the Rangers should have gone for Josh Anderson, how they should have traded every player on the team for Josh Anderson. The guy has wet dreams about Josh Anderson. It's ridiculous. That said, the the Larry Brooks report that they should uh, include Capo Caco and get Jack Eichel 50% retained is ridiculous on multiple levels because one, they're not including Capo Caco. Two, the Sabres are not retaining $5 million a year for the next five years. They're not going to pay $25 million for a player that's not on their team for, the, for a half decade. That's not happening. So when people read that just just please keep scrolling just ignore it um there was a tweet earlier today by someone who works for uh the central scouting um who heard that the montreal canadians are no longer interested in jack eichel because of the astronomical ask that kevin adams has for jack eichel which was reported to be two first round picks two blue chip prospects and a top six player so you're talking about a first-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick in 2023, and then two of Lafreniere, Kako, Fox, or Chef Jorkin. 
I don't even consider the last two prospects, but blue chip prospects, you're talking about players at that level. Young, like Fox only played two seasons. Shashur can play combined maybe a season. So, yeah, those are the players. They want two of those, and then they want a top six player. They're not going to settle for Ryan Strong because he's UFA next year. So you're looking at Chris Kreider or Mika Zibanejad. It's They're not going to get that from the Rangers. And right now, unless the LA Kings put together a package for Jack Eichel, I don't see any other team being interested in Jack Eichel again. Um, I've, like, I'm not even a Jack Eichel fan. I just feel bad for the kid because he just wants to get a surgery and he wants to play again. Um, he kind of has himself to blame because he committed long-term to the Buffalo Sabres. That's how contracts work. If he didn't want to play there, he shouldn't have signed a long-term deal. It's that simple. Uh, he would have been UFA next year. But, you know, it is what it is. The situation he's in now, it sucks. Um, I don't think – I still don't think the Rangers are going to offer more than they gave up for Rick Nash nine years ago. That has always been my belief, and I stick to it. They don't think Jack Eichel today with the neck injury is worth more than Rick Nash was nine years ago. Because nine years ago when they traded for Rick Nash – they got six years of Rick Nash in that trade. They will be getting five years of Jack Eichel if they trade for him this year. Yes, Jack Eichel is a little bit younger. He plays center. It's a pivotal position. But he also has this injury. And the Sabres don't want to release the medical records. Um, I think Jack Eichel's doctor was on uh, Elliot Friedman's podcast, uh, if I'm correct. Um, and it's it's... It's, it's going from bad to worse. Um, every day that this trade is not happening, the value will go down. And if Kevin Adams thinks he's going to get two first-round picks, two blue-chip prospects, and a top-six player for Jack Eichel, he's crazy. That's the return that Wayne Gretzky, that the Edmonton Oilers got for Wayne Gretzky in the late 80s. Yeah. Jack Eichel is no Wayne Gretzky. No. That, that's the type of package you would put together for Connor McDavid. And maybe... Nathan McKinnon, but not Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel's a good player. He's not worth that package. No, so. and his value is only dropping by the day. And I, I, I don't understand why there are people out there that aren't seeing this. In what scenario do you view this current Sabres and Eichel saga and believe that the value is going to stay even remotely close mm -hmm. to what supposedly Kevin Adams is looking for? Obviously, yeah. as a GM, you want to prioritize and gain an absolute haul from your star centerman that has years of control in his contract, even if that contract is expensive. I understand. But when you are reluctant and hold back that same damn player from gaining surgery that is vital to him continuing his career, you know, that's kind of a big deal. So I, I don't really know what else to say at this point. You know, I want this saga to be over one way or another, either in the sense of he is traded, if it's to the Rangers, if it's to someone else, or he and the Rangers can come to an agreement, uh, Parmi hate and the Sabers can come to agreement and continue their sell. But that that bur that bridge is passed. You know that bridge right. is so burned. That's the thing. Is, I, I just want this trade to happen. I just want this trade to happen so we can stop talking about it. I'm so sick and tired of talking about Jack Eichel. Uh, exactly because it hasn't been for it hasn't been for any positives. That's the issue. You know, no. it's just it's the constant it's the constant reiterated shit all over and over again and. I know most people in the chat that are currently listening live or on replay wherever you get your podcast right now are feeling the exact same. So 
With saying that, Steven, I think we hit the nail on the head with everything. And again, I appreciate everyone that's been in the chat. We saw some trolls going in the live stream again. Trust me, guys, been in the YouTube game for a while. This is nothing new to me. I'm happy to have you here, though. So hope you guys are staying back, relaxing, enjoying yourselves. We got debates on Capo Caco going left and uh, left and right. So if you guys got any questions for the next 15 to 20 minutes, by all means, go right ahead. Everyone chiming in the live stream. If you're listening to this on replay, please make sure you're staying tuned. And I appreciate you guys kindly. Thank you so much to everyone that, that has been here supporting the channel, supporting the podcast overall in this latest episode here at Rangers Review. So um, as we wait at questions here, Stephen, are there any expectations that you have for the Rangers over this next week before we have our next episode outside of Igor's contract extension happening? What feels like very soon? Look, we just entered the most boring month in hockey. It's August. So yeah. no, I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen. Okay. All right. Well, I, I respect that. Um, we have our first comment here from James says any update on Georgiev trade? Uh, no, uh, his agent came out and said uh, it is not truthful that he, uh, a trade was asked for, you know, that um, so his agent backtracked what uh, the original belief was. So I don't know exactly what the story is there. I don't know what's going to happen with Georgiev. Um, at this point in time, I think the Rangers are fine with or without him. Um, possibly leaning a little bit more towards without him just because of the some of the drama he's been in, obviously, over this past year. Um, take that as you will. I, you know, I mean, to me, Georgiev needs to really uh, prove himself this year if he stays with the Rangers. You know, he did not have a good performance here in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. And whether that was for, you know, things that happen outside of the game of hockey or not, um, you know, everyone's going to draw their assumptions and beliefs. But I, I don't know how I feel about the Yuryev uh, saga at this point. I really don't. I'm just curious to see if a trade is either going to happen or if the Rangers are going to feel comfortability to ride with him for this year and, you know, go from there. Um, beyond that, however, I see a lot of other questions, so we're going to get to it right away. Uh, Ricky says, with the Rangers' current center depth, can they be a playoff team? I, I for sure think they can. I think that they've been on the cusp of, cusp of being one as it is. Um, I do believe the Rangers can be a playoff team this year if they don't do anything further. Uh, what would you say, uh, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. if you look at last season and you look at this season, um, yeah, we've lost Butchevich, which hurts. But overall, um, Capo Caco is a year older. Alexi Lafreniere is a year older. Vitalik Kravtsov is going to be on the team the entire season. Uh, Nils Lundqvist is coming over, who's replacing Anthony Bitetto or Brendan Smith, whoever it is. It's still an improvement. Um, Shesh Jorgen had some freak injuries. It's probably not going to happen again. Uh, Panarin missing a couple of weeks because uh, some Russian reporter was coming after him. That's not going to happen again. Uh, COVID's not going to be as big of an issue. We replaced Quinn with Gallant. Um, All these things combined will already make the Rangers a better team. On paper, they might not be a better team than they were last year. If you look at the names, if you solely look at the names, no. But the Rangers had so many distractions. I haven't even mentioned the D'Angelo thing. They're not going to have any locker room fights because D'Angelo's gone. They had so many distractions last season, and it all played into how the Rangers season progressed. Um, they missed uh, they missed Kreider, Panarin, uh, Lindgren and Truba, the final games of the season, that heavily impacted how we finished our season. All those things are not going to happen again. Pair that with the Penguins and the Capitals being a year older, 
Um, we're not going to have the Bruins in our division. Yeah, they're replaced with the Hurricanes, but, you know, I think the Rangers are going to struggle a little bit with the Carolina Hurricanes, but they should be a playoff team this year solely because all the distractions we had last year are not going to be there. And and I think that's something that's kind of getting overlooked by us fans. The Rangers have faced a plethora of adversity the past calendar year. Um, yep. So you're right. I, I do think that's a, definitely a positive take into consideration. They're not going to have nearly to the same degree, even if they do have issues, if they continue to arise for one way or another, either within the locker room or just, you know, performance space, whatever it is, I do think that they are in better hands going forward. Uh, more comments here from uh, Nick says, who are some other center targets outside Jack Eichel? Uh, no one. I don't really think there's anyone. I think Jack Eichel is the standout because of his unique situation. Um, that's yeah. literally all it is. If Jack Eichel is not on the trading block, we wouldn't be having a discussion right now. There's, uh, That's the only exception. The Barkovs are not available. Even the Couturiers are not available because the Flyers are still trying to make something out of nothing. Um, so, you know, I, I really I do not believe the Rangers have any other center options. That other center option was really Philip Deneau, and he's an L.A. King now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, there's nothing that stands out to me that even feels that feasible. While that's true, you never know because – Of course. I don't think, I don't think anyone expected Mika Zibanejad to be available in 2016. That trade came out, came out of the blue. No, no, and you're right. We, we should always, uh, I guess you say, expect the unexpected, if you will. Um, just, just you know, just know that anything's possible at the end of the day. Being that slight optimist, but mm -hmm. again, if I had a bet, if I had a bet on anything, I think it's cycle or bust. Um, yeah. And uh, until I'm proven otherwise, um, I, I don't think I don't think there's another center that's linked to the Rangers at the moment. Um, Strom has been linked to the Senators and the Vegas Golden Knights, but I don't see them trading Strom unless they have a replacement because your your center depth cannot be Zibanejad, Hedl, and Goudreau. If that's your center depth, then you're not going to be a playoff team. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I'm trying to see more comments here. Uh, we got into a little bit more of a TDA discussion. Again, that we're taking we're taking uh, strictly questions. Um, it, it is it is. I will just say this though: it is kind of crazy how we go from the Tampa Bay Rangers to the Carolina Rangers. You know, out out with one and with another. Not just Tony D. Um, of course, Brennan Smith, Antti Ranta, who was traded for Tony, as we know. Derek Stepan. Derek Stepan. Like, holy shit, the game's all here. I I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, figure out things because they they've had an interesting offseason, to put it lightly. Um, yeah. James says, do you think uh, Quinn did a decent job for a first-time NHL coach? For oh. a first-time NHL coach, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't really know how much I can put to blame on him, however especially when the Rangers allowed him to have his own supporting cast. Like, yes, the Rangers had a Lenny Ruff in there, but, you know, between having John Oliver and, um, shoot, uh, David Brown, right, um, that he had more of his own supporting cast that also lacked NHL experience. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to throw shade at Quinn at this point. You know, that bridge has sailed. But yeah, yeah, the, only I, thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say about Quinn is that his biggest flaw was his inability to adjust. Absolutely, don't yeah, absolutely. That in a nutshell is all you need to know. Yeah. And hopefully for his sake, if he does continue his coaching career and does get more opportunities in the National League, that you know, 
that this was a learning experience for him and he can, you know, drastically improve. I don't have any ill will against DQ personally. We all know that it just, you know, when you're the coach of our team and we don't like how you're coaching, naturally you're going to get shit. So it's and just, you know, once you're in, you're in, once you're on that carousel, the jobs are going to come. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. So we, the NHL loves, doesn't matter how much, how well you performed. If you got that resume shit, you know, you're in. Listen, listen <laughs> if the entire world was as good at recycling as the NHL is with coaches, <laughs> we wouldn't have global warming. Exactly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have anything to worry about, Stephen. No. The, the, the ocean water would be clear as day. No more cleaning up all that recycle. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Getting into a couple more comments here. And again, guys, if I missed your question, I apologize. Don't take it personally. Just because we got a lot lined up and we have a short period of time left. Um, let's see here. Uh, what are your thoughts on us being interested in Tarasenko? I think, you know, why, how, why, I that makes no sense. If we're interested in Tarasenko, give me Buchnevich back hundred percent. I don't need Tarasenko. And you know what the, the, what he is now versus what he was, you know, we should have had Tarasenko years ago instead of Dylan Makarath. We didn't do that. Okay, I don't need Tarasenko now after having some bad shoulders. No, thank you. Um, the only the only link with Tarasenko is that he and Panarin are friends. That's yeah, it. and and is that really going to outweigh it? Outweigh it? Like I just no. Buchnevich no. and Panarin were friends. I you know like <laughs> how how different how drastic Look, the friendships are. Listen, listen. If you if you trade away Buchnevich because you cannot commit to him financially. And then you turn around and acquire Tarasenko, who has a seven point five million cap hit that's BS. for two more years. That that doesn't make any sense for a guy so, that's washed. Too much, yeah. Nothing personal well, against Maddie. You can't not, expect even, if, even if we even if we, we brush that aside. Even if we brush that aside, Tyler, we're talking about seven point five million for the next two seasons. Even if even if you were if they retain fifty percent, that's three point seven five million. Yep. If you add that, then then you're out of cap space. Yeah, it just I mean, it, it doesn't it makes zero sense for what this club is doing. Yeah, that would be as sailor of his however, as you could get. The other reason that Bucinevich was traded was so the kids can get minutes. How are you going to give Kako and Kravtsov their minutes if you add Tarasenko in the mix? It makes no sense. No, no, it doesn't, and that's why I think we can, you know comfortably uh, bury those all to rest so a couple more questions here um yep and uh uh rangers review i'm pardon me not rangers review all things rangers is green here yeah no absolutely um let's see who am i looking forward to in the next uh year's draft no clue james <laughs> you're i have no clue steven could probably answer that if there's anyone that he's signed but you know i'm not uh i wasn't even that thrilled with this year's draft to begin with uh, next year i will be a lot more involved with however because it should be um you know barring any changes a normal year for prospect development hopefully yeah. um that that's what i'm focused on the most uh yeah there's uh there's shane wright who uh yes actually, yeah i forgot about shane wright you're, who is actually a buddy of brennan offman they played together uh, a couple of years ago mm -hmm. um and um honestly brennan offman was a second pick in the OHL uh in the OHL draft a few years ago only reason he wasn't the first pick in that draft was because Shane Wright was uh had exceptional status granted and he was the first pick that year yeah you know, um, he's intriguing I've heard his name for over like two years yeah. now Shane Wright uh Brad Lambert in Finland 
uh, doesn't sound very finished, but he is. Yes, finished. yes, yes. Brad Lambert. I remember seeing him in juniors. Yeah, he, yeah. he looked exciting. Yeah, there are some others, but it's it's too early to get into that. We don't even know where we're going to be in a year. Um, I think it's something to discuss maybe in December when in like the weeks leading up to the World Juniors. We might we might do a little bit more of a focus on prospects then. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take two more questions here and then we're going to get out of here, folks. So second last will be from Matt. Uh, he asked, Tyler, do you think Kako will shine under Gallant 150%? Um, I know we have people in the chat that I believe Kako's a bust. Um, respectfully disagree with that notion, then some. Um, I know I know a lot of you guys aren't in favor of analytics, but I highly suggest you take your time to look at them. And just the overall numbers, Kako was one of the best two-way forwards in all the game of the NHL last year. Should not get overlooked whatsoever. We should yep. focus more on strictly offensive production. Steven, you can preach that, of course. But no, Kako is in direct line to continue to blossom next year have more offensive production and really become the dominant two way forward that the Rangers believe that they were getting when they drafted him. He is an absolute horse on the puck. He night and day. He looked this year from last year and that should not be underestimated at all. And again, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Lafreniere and Kako uh, play under a development coach. Yep. Uh, Exactly. And, and Gerard has experience with similar types to Kako. Whether yeah. we're going to the Barkovs of the world and the Huberdos in Florida during their early career, or if we're going to Vegas as well, those pieces have been there. It's not like he's not seen a Kapokaka before and how to properly develop yeah. them. So I like, I really like the odds of that coming to fruition. And with yeah. that, and it, it wasn't just it wasn't just those two in Florida. You know, it was it was Ekblad, it was Trocheck, uh, Marcheseau blossomed well, I'm, under I'm focus, him. I'm focusing more so on strictly like skill type that Kako brings. I see similarities yeah. in both no, Barkov course, but... and Huberto's game with him. Yeah, but Trocek was a was a, a big young prospect on that team as well. Correct. Um, and Gallant has done a great job in Florida. He's done a really good job in Vegas. So yeah, exciting. Exciting indeed. And, and I got a little worry on camera. Before, but... forget, before I forget, Gallant has already coached Brady Schneider. Yes, yes, I was just about to say, it just happened, yes. So we already have some familiarity there. And if you're watching this live, I apologize for being blurry on the camera. I'm not even going to bother to fix this because we're about to get out of here. But the last question we're going to be taking is, next Rangers captain, I feel like we're always going to get asked this question. Um, It's Chris Kreider. It's the guy in the BC jersey behind you. You can't tell me otherwise. I don't see him going anywhere, and I think he has the best qualities of what it means to be captain for the Rangers. And no, you do not need to be the best player on your team in order to be a captain and have leadership qualities. Steven, your response? Um, Mikko Koivu and Dustin Brown as examples. Oh, yes. You always you always reference them. And, and you're not even – think about Florida. Think about Florida again with outside of Ekblad. Think about their captains before that. Was it Dar- – pardon me. Wasn't it McKenzie? And it was also Ed Jovanovsky. You know, you don't need to be the best yeah. player. Even yeah. Anders Lee. Is Anders Lee the best player for the Islanders? Hell no. Yeah. That's the biggest similarity I see with a, a Kreider captaincy, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going Kreider. Yeah, and um, look, I always go off of what, what players tell me. Um, and every time I ask them during my interviews, you know, which player on the Rangers really stands out to you, they always mention Kreider. And I, I said this before, and I'll repeat it. Um you know, I, I've heard things said about Kreider that 
he's always during during training camp where all the prospects come in all the ahl players are there he's always the first one on the ice he's always the last one off the ice he's always out there helping the young kids last year he had matthew robertson austin rushev uh alexi lafreniere keandre miller and morgan baron he invited them all to come over to connecticut to train with him in the offseason that's the type of stuff that you want from a captain that's what you want from the guy leading your team because if we if we're going to go with he's not the best player on the team fine i will i will concede he's not the best player but then we shouldn't be talking about zibanejad either because if we're going to give it to the best player then panarin should be the captain yep no you're absolutely right and uh, i think we should also also realize again and this is going to wrap up today's uh stream and episode that a lot of times being the best player in your club does not mean you have great leadership skills and you know, this has been buried to rest because he has officially won a championship, but a narrative for a very long time is look at Alexander Ovechkin. You know, it took him a damn a damn long time to get there, and a lot of people, including myself, admittedly, questioned his captaincy, and he was able to prove us wrong in the end, winning it all with the Capitals, and great for Ovi, obviously. Best goal scorer I think the Angel will ever witness. Can't tell me otherwise, even with uh, the Wayne train and everything. And no, not Wayne, uh, not the Wayne train in today's Angel. I'm just referring to Wayne Gretzky. Um, yeah, but yeah, overall, if, if 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 there were no lockouts and shortened seasons, then Ovechkin's probably just seventy goals behind Gretzky for the all-time record. So, yeah, there's uh, a reason why he signed that extension. Okay, and it's, you know, it, it's solely it's solely to get to that point in my in like, my mind. Like it's it's probably the only record, the only Gretzky record that that might be broken. If you look at if you look at the other records he set, Gretzky, it's they're not gonna get broken. You're not gonna get someone to score 92 goals in a season. You're not gonna get someone to get 50, 50 uh, was it 50 goals in 39 games? Yeah. yeah. Um, the fastest the fastest player to 1,000 points was Wayne Gretzky. The second fastest player to 1,000 points was Wayne Gretzky when he did it the second time. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. He didn't win the Calder because he wasn't eligible, so he decided to win the MVP eight years in a row. Not a big deal. He won the Hart Trophy eight years in a row from his first season onwards. Only eight? Come on, Steven. Those are rookie numbers. Wayne Gretzky is the best hockey player ever by a mile, and I will even say he's a he's a bigger athlete comparable to his peers than michael jordan okay Let, let's i don't want to do the whole jordan gretzky debate i hear what you have to say but we'll we'll, we'll leave we'll leave those sports separate just just for one reason or, not, or yeah. another for now I, I think we can agree though that point production wise it's gretzky and everyone else like it doesn't yeah. it's just remarkable like uh it, it, i don't even know how else to say it but with that being said, though, folks, that's going to conclude today's episode of Rangers Review. This was episode, I believe, 27 now, Stephen. I don't know why. I feel like we've done oh, like 50. We're only at like Nils Lundqvist's number. Nice. Wait, who's the number? Pardon me? That's got to be Nils Lundqvist's number. 27. Perfect. Perfect. And speaking of 27, Ryan McDonough, I saw him walk into a nice Irish pub with the Stanley Cup. He had, you know, they had all the music going and everything. I love yeah. that. So shout out to Mac Truck. Love you, buddy on your second consecutive Stanley Cup, number 27. But, yeah, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you all so much to everyone that chimed in. 
that of course either followed live here on YouTube or was listening on replay that should be out the following day right around August 3rd of 2021. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back uh, within the next week for another episode, hopefully with some uh, encouraging news on an Igor Shosturkin extension. And who knows, maybe some moves that the Rangers made that were a little slept on that we didn't expect. But again, I appreciate you guys so much. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. See you guys.